Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera. I'm here with Pastor Nick Plummer. Welcome, Pastor Nick. How you doing? Thanks for having me. This is great. That's right. We are in Studio B again, and all things remaining the same, there are a few differences today than there was in the last episode, right? Oh, yeah. So... If this is your first time here, thank you for being here. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 1 of the Christians with Tor podcast. We are very excited that you're here. Um, our name kind of speaks for itself, but maybe you need some context. We are Christians. We believe in the basic Christian doctrines, right? The death, burial, and resurrection of Yeshua, Jesus, and the saving power of His blood. So we, we believe in Him as Messiah, as the Son of God. Absolutely. Right? Uh, and... We also believe that the whole Bible, from Genesis all the way to the maps, is relevant for believers today. That's right. And we put That's an emphasis good. on Torah, the first five books of the Bible, sometimes called the Law of Moses, uh, because we believe that it has relevance for us believers today in many, many facets of our life, not the least of which is just basic things that will improve your life if you follow them. Right? That's true. Just easy, easy, simple stuff. So... Uh, if you are looking for uh, information about the Torah portions or about the first five books of the Bible, we, for the first four seasons, uh, did the Torah portions, the first three on audio only, and then the fourth season we did YouTube where there's video, uh, and you can follow that and go look up Torah portions, which is portions of the scriptures that you can find. Last season, in season five, we took like a year and a half to study yeah. the Gospel of Matthew. I think it was a year and eight months. Oh, uh, Wow, almost two years, yeah. I mean, so we, oh, yeah. So we really took it you know, piece by piece, little bit by little bit, and so you can go and you can find all the portions of the book of Matthew on the channel and go and watch those. And today, season six, episode one, we are entering into the book of Acts. The book of Acts. That's right, the Acts of the Apostles, <sighs> the second uh, treatise of Luke, the physician, and we're very mm -hmm. excited uh, to get started Today. Let's do it. Let's do We're it. We're going to jump right into this thing. There's a lot going on here. Uh, just, just a little reminder. In the book of Acts, it never really ends. Just kind of, it's going to carry over. Yeah. Well, what happened after this and this and this? So we have a continuation of the book of Acts, even in our church, even in the modern day church today. The book of Acts continues to move on, and prophetically, we are in Shavuot, the giving of the Holy Spirit. Every day, the Lord gives out His Holy Spirit to anybody that wants it, and so. Um, uh, the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles, but more truly could it be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the church. Praise God. The secret to the whole book of the glorious person, work, and ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church, which is revealed as the mystical and spiritual body of Christ in the earth. Wow, that's a lot to take in there. All that is said and done by means of preaching and teaching the word of the Lord declaring the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ in power, signs and wonders, and the phenomenal growth and development of the church numerically, plus the doctrine, grace and gifts and word, 
All is found in the operation of the Holy Spirit. Wow. He is the key to the book of Acts. Boy, isn't that the truth today? Amen. The Holy Spirit, he is the key, even to our life today. He is the key. The author, well, Luke, the beloved physician, is recognized as the author and writer of the Acts, as also the gospel after his name. Compare Acts chapter 1 and verse 1 with Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. So I'm going to begin reading in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Oh, man. So, one promise of the, of the Holy Spirit. That's right. One of the things about the opening of the book of Acts that you'll notice is that there's a lot of King James English in here, right? Yeah. Partially because Luke, the physician, uh, when he, I guess, writes in Greek, he's a little more sophisticated. He's a doctor. He's well-educated. And so you're getting, uh, from the original language, things that are a little better, and then it translates even into the King James right. into something that's more you know, sophisticated. So uh, he starts out, The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. So what he's referring to is the book of Luke. He says, I had written an account. Treatise is like a, like a, an explanation of events, an, an account of what he preached or what, what, uh, what somebody did. <coughs> and so he's, he's saying, hey, in the former thing that I wrote to you, what's the former thing? It's the gospel of Luke. So Theophilus gets a, gets a little treaty, gets a little treatise. An account. He gets a letter. He yeah. gets a letter, right. He gets an account. And so Theophilus is clearly the person that Luke is writing this to. Um, and what is he writing in the book of Luke? Well, he, he writes of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day that he was taken up. So, again, the book of Luke, you, if you read it, the last thing that happens is what? Yeshua is taken up and he ascends into heaven. And then we're translating then, we're transitioning now into what he's going to write moving forward. He says, after that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So the book of Acts right. is about the move of the Holy Ghost. Acts the apostles. Right? <coughs> and what Jesus commanded them, uh, the, commanded to the ones that he had chosen. It's funny because it says to the ones he had chosen. I hear, there's like a TV series out like recently, you know, that the chosen. has to do with the chosen. He right? picked his disciples. He knew what he was doing. And then it says here also, uh, in verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive. Right? So he showed himself alive to the apostles after his passion. Right? And again, another confusing King James English word, the word passion here can also mean suffering. Right? Right. So the best way I can can compare this in modern English is, when somebody's very passionate about something, they're willing to go through suffering in order to see it achieved. Does that make sense? Right. So when he says after his passion, this is after his suffering. So he was showing himself alive 
by many infallible proofs. So this word, another again, another word, infallible, faultless, unmistakable is another good word, uh, undeniable. So he showed himself alive to the apostles by what? By many unmistakable proofs, meaning you cannot mistaken he was dead, then he's alive, and the people that witnessed it say that it's unmistakable. And, and the number 40 means testing. So he, he, he's going to go ahead and uh, show himself to over 500 people, and he is going to, of course, show himself for 40 days to establish something. Right. And he, and he preached about the kingdom of God. So, yeah, so right. there's plenty of that. He wasn't there just for half a day. Well, I got a quick glance. You Correct. Know. And that's why it's unmistakable. It's yeah. 40 days worth Like of Bigfoot, this. you know, yeah, I saw him, but then I didn't see him. And, yeah. I know. thought I, I could have sworn. Yeah. No, I, nothing like that. No, it's like you and I days. sitting at the table, like like Pastor Nick days. is right there yeah, in front of me. Yeah. Like you see it on the camera, yeah. right? He's right there. This is not AI. No. I, I I know Pastor Nick. No, he's right there. This is the man. This is it, right? And this is the same thing that happened to them. Right. By unmistakable proof, they saw him for forty days, and what did he do for those forty days? He taught them things <laughs> pertaining to what? <laughs> the kingdom of God. The, the kingdom of God. So let me get this straight. So just why can't we have that book? Yeah, tell like me Like after it. the resurrection. I know, I want the transcript. There's probably a lot of good stuff in there. Like where's the YouTube channel, you know? Where's Jesus' YouTube channel? Oh man, channel? I want to hear those teachings. So so he, he for three and a half years, it says that he taught them of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, right? Right. So that's what he taught while he was in his earthly ministry. Then he has died, buried, and rises again from the, the grave, right? Conquers, you know, sin, death, and the grave. And while he's here for 40 days, his last 40 days, what does he do? He teaches them again the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That's right. So it sounds like the subject of the kingdom of God is an important subject. It is. So a little context here. The book of Acts is uh, written by Luke, and he continues the story that he began in the book of Luke, the gospel, right? And covering the 30 years after Jesus was taken up into heaven. That's a good uh, So this account. is a, this is this is a lot of information, right? Account. He's so taking... That's, that's put you right on 63 AD yeah, before right. the temple. Was right. So 30 years worth of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, Luke says that the disciples were eyewitnesses to all that happened to Jesus Christ, his life before his crucifixion, and the 40 days after his resurrection as he taught them more about the kingdom of God. Right? Wow. Just, just some, laying out some, some, uh, some basic facts here. Now, Jesus explained that his coming inaugurated the kingdom of God. Again, that's another big word. Thank you for using a nice big word. But it means uh, to kick off, right? So like... If the inauguration you, of the president. Right. When you inaugurate the president, it's, he takes the oath of office to begin his presidency. So it's like the official beginning of the kingdom of God. Now, when he returned to heaven, God's kingdom would remain in the hearts of all believers through the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the kingdom of God will not be fully realized until Jesus Christ returns to judge all people and remove all evil from the world. Until that time, believers are to work to spread God's kingdom across the world. The book of Acts records how this work was begun. The book of Acts is still happening today. The book of Acts is just the beginning of the work of the Holy Spirit in the earth through the believers that follow Yeshua. And this is 2,000 years ago. That's right. Two days. That's right. Now, uh, some exciting things is that Yeshua is going to come, right? Judge all people and remove all evil from the world. Uh, I remember Michael Heiser. God, God bless him. May his memory be a blessing. Um, before he passed away, spoke in uh, which I don't remember which document was it. Was it his um, unseen realm? It might have been unseen where he says the reality of uh, already but not yet. 
right? This is, this is the reality that we as Christian believers live in. We live in the kingdom already, right? We have right. citizenship, we have membership, we are walking as if members of the kingdom, but we know that the kingdom has not been fully fulfilled, Right? We know right. it's not here. It's yet. like it's like the the promise of the Holy Spirit that He would convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Right. Because the rule of this world has been judged. Right. That's right. So, um, verses four and five, as you read, right, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith He, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, if I remember correctly, uh, at the end of Matthew, they're in Galilee when Yeshua ascends into heaven, right? What's that? They're in Galilee when Yeshua ascends, right? Yeshua ascends, the ascension happens in Galilee. No, it happens on the Mount of Olives. That's what I meant. It does happen on the Mount of Olives. You are it happens, on, the, it happens did, on a mountain. He, meet, he, he met up with them after the resurrection in Galilee. From Galilee, yeah. and then they go back to Jerusalem. Because Capernaum was like his headquarters. So from, from the Mount of Olives, they then go to the upper room, right? And this is where they're like basing out of. Right. Now, uh, he uses the word baptized, right? Because he says, John truly baptized with water, John the Baptist. But ye shall be baptized, same word, with the Holy Ghost not many days from hence. Now, the word baptized is the Greek word baptizo, and it means to immerse, submerge, to make whelmed, which whelmed is to make fully wet, right? right? So, like, when somebody's overwhelmed, they're overly wet, right? And when somebody... Immersed, yeah, totally immersed. And when, right, and when somebody's um, That's underwhelmed... That's why when I'm at the mikvah pool or the baptism, you, you got to be totally immersed. you got to go all the way in. Yeah, you go all the way in. Um, all right, so we have uh, verses 6 through 11 that I'm going to read. and uh, Let me just, uh, I want to interject something that yeah, just please. jumped out because I, I just can't stop thinking about it. Um, anyway, um, I want to I say this. It says, to wait for the promise of the Father, and that was the promise of the Holy Spirit, epigelia, and um, it means an announcement or divine assurance of good. Yeah. So see, God has nothing but good for us through the Holy Spirit. That's what's really cool. I can assure you of this, that, you know, if you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh, but it's like, okay, it's a divine assurance of good. So what comes to my mind, and I just want to read this one verse. It's a very, very powerful verse. I call it a nugget verse. Galatians 3.29, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So God has a divine assurance of good for us. So what good is there in the world? There's no good in the world. So what are we doing, you know? To be friendship with the world is enmity with God. So we have to break away from the world, be in the world but not of it. But this promise is a divine assurance of good. So if you don't feel that divine assurance of good or you're not in a good place, chances are you moved from him. You've you got to change some things in your life. If you want a divine assurance of good. So you can go ahead and read uh, The Ascension of Jesus, 6 to 11. All right, so... When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth." And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, 
as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye, men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Wow. Just checking something out here. I want to check out this word. There's two words for power here. We're going to get into it, but it says uh, in verse 7, He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the power hath put in his own What's the father? power. Father so that's 1849. Yep. I'm going to look it up. 1849 in the Greek. 1849. And this is 1849. Acts chapter 1 and verse. So it's exousia. 7. It means uh, in the sense of ability or privilege, force, capacity, competency, freedom, mastery, superhuman, potentate, token of control, delegated influence. Oh, I like that delegated influence. Right. So I think in most cases, when this is translated into more modern uh, translations of the Bible, uh, this word is translated as authority, right? Exousia versus uh, the other one, which is what dunamis, which is which is literally power, like strength. That's a good point. That's a good point to make. Because it, it says like power of choice, liberty of doing as one pleases, leave or permission, physical or mental power. Exousia. Yep. And I got the definition on the other, on the other page here. The but, power. you know, this is the interesting thing, you know. <clears throat> well, you have dunamis on the other page, right? This one that you're referring well, to is yeah, exousia. Th- but you shall receive power. That's dunamis. So there's two different words here. So, right. So what it's saying here is which the Father hath put in his own... That one's exousia. ...authority, right? Yeah, the, that's exousia, verse 7. Correct. Uh, you, but you shall receive power is exousia, which you would say, I say delegated influence, and you say authority. No, 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 no. no. So what we have here See is right here? in verse... 1849, verse 7. So verse 7 is... Hath put in his own power. Exousia, authority. Right. Yeah, yeah. But you go. shall receive dunamis. Right. right. So, so the Father's giving you authority. The Father's giving you power. Yeah. He has the authority. Yeah, he has the authority to give that power. Exactly. Right. There you go. Very good. Yeah, because, you know, when you see these words, you can't just think that the well, same word. Well, it just says word. power and power. So in English, yeah. it's the same word. It's I mean, not that, the same word in Greek. That's what's really cool to me. It's different, so, different words. <clears throat> so a lot of things kind of stand out here to me uh, in these in these scripture references, um, 6 through 11. They're, they're packed full here, 6 through 8, actually. So the question is, you know, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Well, Yeshua did not tell his disciples that the kingdom would not be restored to Israel, but it would be restored in the Father's timing. That's Acts 1-7. In his timing, he's going to restore it. And we're going to get into the discussion of that, um, which is going to be coming up here. Um, let's see here. Also, yeah, I'll, just, I'll develop that later on. So once again, Yeshua did not tell his disciples that the kingdom would not be restored to Israel, but it would be restored in the Father's timing. Find it interesting that, boy, the, the United Nations just want to take everything away from Israel as a nation. Mm-hmm. Iran wants to throw them into the sea, annihilate them. Zionism will be no more, you know. And uh, it's sad. And so here, here's the discussion. Discuss some of the signs that we are witnessing today that the Father is slowly but surely restoring the kingdom back to Israel. I know it seems hard to believe, but it's actually happening. Here are some examples to prove this point. 
Israel is a nation once again. Check. <laughs> Check the box. The Torah is being written on minds and hearts. Check. Ephraim is coming out of the nations and renewing the relationship with Judah. There are Christian Zionists, and then there's Ephraim. Ephraim has a horse in the race. They love Israel. They love to occupy there. They, they, they like to be there or, or, or to be in the midst. They're drawn to Israel, the, the geographic location in Jerusalem where the God's name is. So they crave falafel, all these things. But once again, I want to make this statement again, okay? And you can take this to the bank. Hopefully it's not closed or shut down. Take it to God's bank. Ephraim is coming out of the nations and renewing the relationship with Judah. What, what examples do you have to show that the kingdom is being restored back to Israel? What about the Sabbath or the dietary laws to some degree? If we look at the Torah as like a constitution, look at these things that are happening that people are wanting to do. It kind of seems to me, I mean, I mean, think about it, right? If you add up all these things, I just got a thought. If I said I'm charismatic or I'm Pentecostal, what would you say? What's one of the attributes of that? Speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. Very good. Okay. And so what if I say to you, well, you know, uh, in my church, we keep the Sabbath. Who could I be? What really stands out to you that you think about as far as uh, denomination? Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh-day Adventist. But what if I tell you, Ryan, are you ready for this? This is where it gets to be so much fun. And this is where the, the Chihuahua look comes in like this, <laughs> you know. Because this is what we have to ask ourselves. Okay, we have people that are born again, baptized in water, filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and uh, and have, of course, um, they're practicing the Hebrews of the Christian faith. They love the Sabbath, the dietary laws, the, fe the feast days, the Torah portions. Okay, who am I? Messianic Jews, Hebrew roots. Yeah, you're Israel. Israel. Wild branches, uh, natural branches. Aha, I, I should add there. in, well, I'm a wild branch and I'm grafted in. Yeah. You're not grafted into a banana tree mm. or a coconut tree yeah. you're, you're, or a palm tree. You're, you're grafted into the olive tree and Yeshua is the root. See, this is where it gets to be very exciting. Yeah. So now, because of Beit Tehillah, we do all these things. We're drawing attention and people want to practice their faith the way they do. Although I wouldn't be doing this for 20 years. Yeah. Leading this congregation, right? Now it's getting really good. Like, man, this, this is getting really good because we are... Sanctify, we are separating ourselves. He says, I will sever you from the people. In Leviticus, he talks about this. I will sever you from the people. And uh, that's what he's done. So th this is quite exciting. And, and so we can take the persecution or the debates, but it doesn't matter because we're going to live it. You're going to debate me. You're not going to like it. You're not going to want to do it. You're going to walk away. And I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing for 20 years, if not more. So, mm -hmm. so what, what's your thought on the whole that slowly but surely... The kingdom is, is coming back. Because it's at hand. It's near. Well, uh, let's just start with prophecies that are being fulfilled. So God says that he's going to call the people back from the north, the south, the east, and the west, from the four winds, right? Well, guess what? I've been to Israel, and I've spoken to Jewish people, and God called them maybe from the north, or they came from the east, or they came from the west, right? So these are people that I've physically met that were one place, and now they're in Israel. And God called them there. So the people are coming back to the land. So it's, it's one thing that they became a nation, but then there's been a mass migration of Jewish people to the place where they belong. Right. And because of that, the land is responding to them. So this is another example, right? Uh, if you look at a topographical map of Israel and you're looking from the sky, they show from like, what, 50 or 100 years ago, uh, the way that 
Israel looks is it's this barren desert wasteland, right, with very little green. But then, you know, you Google Earth now today, you start doing the the time lapse, right, and you start to see all these places all over Israel that it's just like covered with green. The desert is blooming. The desert is blooming. Something that was once desolate is now returning. Now, listen, there's a half a dozen scriptures, maybe just in Isaiah alone, that talk about that, that, that that's happening. Uh, so the land restoration is another big piece of proof that the kingdom of God is returning. And I'm going to write that down. And that the land is responding to the proper people being in the proper place at the proper time. It says the land is married to the people. That's right. right. So it has to produce. It has to produce. So then what's what's happening? Let's get even more specific. You have, uh, you know, near and dear to my heart is the vineyards. Do we say the land of Israel has been restored? It's being restored. The land is being restored, right? It's, it's, it is restored. It's Agriculturally. Being restored. Yeah. Well, and then, like, think about the vineyards. So, I mean, there's specific prophecies that the vineyards would be restored, that there will be vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. And we know that these are things are happening. Even, I think, is it maybe Amos or Joel that talks about new wine will drip from the mountains. I have watched tractors picking up giant things of grapes, and the, because the bottom grapes are getting crushed, you know, in this big, you know, um, crate, it's, the wine is dripping, on on the mountains and you're just watching it flow down the hill and you're just like oh my goodness like if that's not prophecy that's literal, being fulfilled, literal <clears throat> but you have to have a heart to believe so we see it and we go and we look for it and then there it is the prophecies being fulfilled today <clears throat> the land of israel like and the people of israel are being restored the question is is now the time right because i don't think we got to this did we did we talk about this already that that uh at the end of three and a half years of teaching about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Right. And then after 40 days, in a resurrected, glorified state, he showed himself to all of his disciples. That's right. And taught them, 40 more days, the things concerning the kingdom of God. And at That's the right. end of 40 days and three and a half years, the disciples together came up with a collective question. And the question was, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because, yeah, because you didn't conquer, but sin and death, so that's done. Right. You came the first time to take care of sin. Take away our sins, not cover them, by the way. Right. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You know, animal sacrifices cover sins, but Jesus takes our sins away. That's a good but, point. But think about this. They're asking this question, Right. When we go through discipleship program ourselves, and when we take other people through discipleship program, at the end of that period of time of discipleship, is the question that they're asking, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? These guys were excited. They were pumped, passionate about the kingdom. Yeah, they were. And the question is, are we so pumped that we're like, Lord, is now the time? Like, is this it? Are we ready? Like, this is all a part of it, right? It is. Because they think, okay, well, the Jews are back in the land, but there's still a lot more to it. And I would venture to say yeah. that if we're not in that position where our question to the Lord is, is now the time? I'm, I'm we, only here to confirm what's ourselves. in people. So the word power that is used to describe what the disciples will receive is the Greek word dunamis. <clears throat> and it means force, literally or figuratively. Miraculous power, ability, abundance, might or mightily, or mighty. A worker of miracle or a worker of miracles. I love that. We, some people need a miracle. Strength and violence. Yeshua said that power would be given to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. This is a geographical prophecy that is being fulfilled even today. Amen. From there, it's going out, even to Brandon, Florida. 
The United States of America moved their embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem through the Trump administration. We are also witnessing Judea and Samaria being open to tourism and commerce. Think about that. I love it. The Christian organization, Hayovel, who helped Jewish farmers, is located in the area of Samaria on top of Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Now, we're looking at verses 9 through 11. And before we get to 9 through 11, yeah. before we get there, uh, Yeshua doesn't answer the question. He says, it's not for you to know, but my father. He said, because the question <clears throat> is not, are you going to restore the kingdom again to Israel? Right. He clearly taught them about the kingdom for three and a half years. So the question is not, are you going to? Right. The question is, is now the time? Right. And so his... It's in his it's timing. Right. His response is, it's not for you to know the timing. Right. Only my father. Only my father. Yeah. Has it in his own authority. That's right. right. In his, his own... His power. His, his power. So then the very next thing is, and you will receive power. Okay? So... The Lord, or the Father has it in his authority when this will happen, but you will receive power to be my witnesses to start establishing the kingdom. Where? Jude- Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of yeah, the earth. Yeah, the kingdom of God is all about people. So why does the Lord give us the Holy Spirit? Is it just because we need a friend? Is it, is it just... I think it's because he wants us to build the kingdom, and we can't do right. it of ourselves. We have to have the Holy and Spirit. And God wants us to participate. Correct. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's right. So I don't have to read verses 9 through 11, because I'll just read the bullet points here. After Yeshua's resurrection, he showed himself for 40 days and to nearly 500 people. The reference to showing himself to 500 people, can be, of course, we know in Acts 1, 3 was 40 days. 1 Corinthians 15, 6 to 500 people. <clears throat> Now, Yeshua ascended up from the Mount of Olives, That's right. and he will descend to rule and reign when he returns. In Zechariah 14, verse 4, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. It's going to split. You know, this is interesting because it's been documented and shared public records they were going to build this hotel on the mount of olives in some area on the mount of olives and they they actually because of technology they found a fault line Hmm. right where it's going to you know how convenient so check that out so what goes up must come down so we're going to be moving along here and um it's going to be my turn to read now we're going to switch some gears here we're going to be talking about meeting in the upper room Check it out. Verses 12 through 14, Acts 1. Here we go. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zealots, and Judas, the brother of James. So notice Judas Iscariot's missing. There are the eleven. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Wow. So it's all yours now. Wow. Okay. Upper so, room. So they were coming from the Mount of Olives. You know what's interesting? Uh, the Mount of Olives is called the Mount of Olives because it was covered in olive groves, right? Back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And there's still some there today. But uh, now, today, if you look, what you notice on the Mount of Olives is all these little boxes, right? 
it's these ostuary boxes where people are buried, where they, their bones are. What I find interesting is these people are Jewish people, right? We're the ones hoping for the Messiah to put his feet on the Mount of Olives and that he's going to resurrect. So, so why isn't it that we as Christians are putting our, our bodies they there? They believe in the resurrection. They also believe in the resurrection. Yes, they do. And they look at prophecies like what you just read from Zechariah 14.4, and right. they say, I want to be there when this goes down. Right, I want to be like front row seats. So yeah. that's basically what the Mount of Olives burial site is. You know, see, see, we, we should get excited about that. Talk about faith, though. You know, you want to talk about faith? Faith is I want to be buried on the Mount of Olives because I want to have a front row seat. You can't get any better if you're going to die. Yeah, that's where I'd want to be buried. You got that right. Yeah. Now, clearly, you know, it's it's probably that's, possible. That's a good point. If you could be buried anywhere, where would you want to be buried? I mean, think about all these righteous Gentiles that are buried in Jerusalem. Right. Isn't Corey Ten Boom buried in Jerusalem? I don't know. Derek Prince. Derek Prince, man, what a preacher, huh? What about Schindler from Schindler's List? I don't know. The righteous Gentiles are buried there. Mm, that's pretty cool. So let's do some bullet points. Let's do some bullet points. So uh, they're all there in one accord. It says that uh, they continued with uh, all the disciples and the women, right? And so the women in the upper room likely included those who ministered to Jesus' followers accompanied them from Galilee, and witnessed the crucifixion and the empty tomb. And we have some references from the book Women of Women in ministry, there. what a great teaching. Women in ministry, that's right. Now, uh, also, Yeshua had four brothers. James, which is, his name's really Yaakov, Jacob, right? Uh, Joseph, which is Joseph, Yosef. Judas, which is Yehuda, right? Judah. And Simon, which is Shimon, right? So he has four brothers, with the most Jewish names possible, right? Mary I, had more children. I make a joke about Jesus being Jewish and how people like just don't recognize it because we see like the stained glass like Norwegian Jesus all the time. Or and, Malibu looking. Yeah, Malibu Jesus. Malibu looking. And don't Fabio. really associate it. But like I make the joke that Jesus is the Jewiest Jew that ever Jewed. Like, I mean, talk about brothers. His brothers' names were Yaakov, Yosef, Yehuda, and Shimon. Jesus is Jewish, not was. Yeah, he is Right, Yeshua say that. is Jewish. Oh, he was. No, he is. Um, so we can find the reference for Yeshua's brothers in Mark chapter six, verse three. And uh, if Yeshua showed himself for forty days, then all they had to do was wait for ten days to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit on the feast of Shavuot. That makes sense, doesn't it? Boy, <coughs> that does makes it. perfect sense. So, um, I I do wonder sometimes because you mentioned uh about the number dwindling you know and something about but isn't that the truth right it's just mm-hmm. it's a reality of life that we all have lived right that there's the faithful few and then there's the mob you know and i i guess this situation is no different so i'm going to read acts chapter 15 i'm sorry acts chapter 1 verses 15 through 20 and this is the story of judas the betrayer and uh you know, it's sad that we have this story, <coughs> but we have it nonetheless. Let's do it. I'm going to read uh, from the New King James here. So it says, And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120, and said, Men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he, ha- he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. 
And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem so that the field is called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it and let another take his office. There's a lot lot packed in these 26 verses, but let's just jump right in here and just break it down so we can move on. But yeah, we'll we'll discuss some interesting things, the storyline, then the cross-references that that Peter's going to be quoting other parts of the Bible. So it was estimated that there was about 120 people in the upper room. Mm-hmm. Very interesting once again. And, and I do believe that I wrote it down here. In uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 6, he showed himself to about 500 people. Mm-hmm. Some, of course, went on to be with the Lord or whatever, but that's a lot of witnesses that is documented right. um, by Paul. Uh, now, the scripture that Peter is referencing can be found in Psalm 41, verse 9, about this must needs have been fulfilled, uh, about guiding them to Jesus, you know, and being the betrayer and all that. Right. And this is this is very interesting. It says, Yea, my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. So that's David in this psalm. But he's, he's kind of referencing... Uh, one of his great counselors, uh, David's own personal betrayer, was his counselor, Ahithophel, who left him for his son, Absalom. Ahithophel also hung himself, just like Judas did. Second mm-hmm. Samuel 15, 12, Second uh, Samuel 16, 23, and Second Samuel 17, 23 is the references of this storyline of Ahithophel. Uh, his counsel was not taken by Absalom, and so he felt kind of wronged, and, and he knew he would be in trouble at that point. And so he put his affairs in order and he hung himself. So he's a picture of Judas. And notice David is a picture of the Messiah. So this story is playing out. Um, How could someone who had been with Jesus daily betray him? Okay. Judas Iscariot had received the same calling and teaching as everyone else, but he had chosen to reject Jesus. Judas had hardened his heart and joined in a plot with Jesus' enemies to put him to death. He finally committed suicide. Okay, so um, he was numbered with the, you know, this is where he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Peter's talking about, and of course, now this man purchased a field, but but in regards to the field, it was acquired indirectly by Judas through the agency of the chief priests. As Matthew 27, verses 3 through 7 records, Judas brought the 30 pieces of silver back to the chief priests and elders. The chief priest then purchased the potter's field with Judas's money, with the same effect as if Judas had himself made the purchase. Now, the potter's field is useless, agriculturally speaking, because it's pieces of pottery in the field, and so it's only good to uh, for burial. Uh, and so they purchased the field, and from my understanding, even to this day, um, or so, to some degree anyway, the potter's field was used to bury the strangers or the foreigners, uh, people that were unknown, and bury them in this field, strangers or, or foreigners. Um, now, you can find the prophecy in regards to the potter's field in Zechariah chapter 11, verses 12 and 13. So that's, once again, you get into the context of the scriptures, the storyline, the geography, the, the story itself, the culture. And then now we're going into some cross-references, which is another level of, of understanding. Let scripture interpret scripture. And like in Daniel says, many will go to and fro, knowledge will increase. Uh, Matthew says that Judas hanged himself, Matthew 27, verse 5. Acts says that he fell. The traditional explanation is that when Judas hanged himself, the rope or branch broke, causing Judas to fall and his body to burst open. 
Uh, a great resource to get, this is Acts 118, a great resource to get is Josh McDowell's Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I do believe it's been revised, but a lot of the atheists or the unbelievers or people that don't believe in God would say, look, there's contradictions, you know. <clears throat> but it's a vantage point. It's a perspective of seeing things and knowing things, and that's not really a contradiction. Uh, <clears throat> now, once again, Peter's going to quote Psalms. He says, for it is written in the book of Psalms. <laughs> Where Peter knew his word, didn't he? Boy, did he. He was a fisherman, but he knew his word. Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take, or his office. That's what bishopric means, his office. Uh, Judas's death was the fulfillment of Psalm 69, 25. Check this out. And his place among the disciples was now empty. Mm. The office of Judas being replaced can be found in Psalm 109, verse 8. So there we have some very interesting prophecies about the son of perdition, uh, the you know the seed of Satan. You know, it's like people want to argue over the Trinity and the Godhead, and it's like, listen, if you want to know if something's true, look what the devil's doing. He has an unholy Trinity or Godhead. Mm -hmm. The dragon is the father, the Antichrist is the son, just like Jesus, right? And then the false prophet is a, is a counterfeit of the Holy Spirit. So to say, well, there's no three in one, yeah, yeah, there are. I mean, you know. So, so with that said, um, this is the story of Judas the betrayer. Uh, they have the, actually the gospel according to Judas, which is not good, but uh, they try to make him out to be the enlightened one in this context of the gospel of Judas, that he was the enlightened one, and the rest of them, you know, were 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 not learned or they didn't get to be a part of this. Like he was supposed to do all of this because he was. He was learned and he was knowledgeable. He had the vision. It's all false because these prophecies says he's the son of perdition. He's a he's the lawless one. He's 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 the betrayer. Yeah. And there's prophecies, so we can't really twist that by bringing another source that's not canonized, like the Gospel of Judas, to light. It doesn't make any sense. You know, one of the things that I feel like is futile for us as humans is when we argue over the existential nature of God. It's like. He's pre-existent outside of time and space. That's the big How thing. are you going to explain how that works in English? Just, you know, come on, right? I, mean, I understand that we could put together pictures, you know, like water and you have ice, vapor, and, and liquid, or, or like the egg of the shell, the yolk, and the, and, the, um, and the white, and so that all makes an egg, you right. know? I, I get I understand what I'm, just not, I'm not trying to explain to the Godhead. Yeah, but it's meaning like these are just things that we're given as an example that try to satisfy our intellect. But like our intellect is still <clears> inside <throat> of this like space time continuum box, and to to have such a fervent like arrogance of our correctness about the existential nature of God, I feel like is we know there's one God, right? Because He tells us that, and we know that there's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we know that because He tells us that. And how all that works, because people argue over modalism and Trinity versus Godhead, right. all this stuff that we argue over. And it's like... Very interesting. Like, let's just have faith in But we in believe in Greek mythology. You know? <laughs> exactly. So, so it's going to be my turn to read, and I'll Ooh. turn it over to you. All right. So now we're, we're going to get into the replacement of, of Judas with Matthias. Uh, in Acts chapter 1, verses 21 through 26, I'm going to be reading and finishing it up here. Wherefore, of these men which have companied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas, 
who was surnamed Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Very interesting. So it's all yours. All right, so the disciples were uh, a witness to Jesus and the baptism of John. They needed to replace Judas Iscariot with someone who could be a witness of Jesus' resurrection, right? So the original... Let me, let me ask a question real quick, Ryan, and, and I, I'd like to dig a little deeper and keep it in context. Sure. But it seems to me like maybe these guys were around, but they weren't the disciples. And I want, I want to read this one verse. It says, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Right, so he, they were there. The, the disciples. So there was Do the, you think these two guys were like on the outskirts or no? Or is he referencing the disciples, but now we need this guy to replace Judas because of the resurrection? He's got at least hold to that. Here's what I think he's saying. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying. Here's what I think he's saying. I think he's saying that there was 12 original apostles that Yeshua chose. Right. And that because now Judas is out and they need to replace one, right. the qualifications for the people that are with them, right, are that they had to be with them during Yeshua's ministry and witness his resurrection. So in order to take Judas' place, you have to have been with them during the ministry. So what about those two guys? And so these two guys fit that qualification. You think they were around but not disciples? Okay, you when, you say, when you say disciple, so there's thousands of disciples of Yeshua. No, but I'm there's just, only 12 apostles. No, I'm just saying that, so would they have to be privy or witness to the things that were going on in that ministry? Those two guys. Because I'm just saying that in verse 21, wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, John right. the Baptist, right. unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So let's say that there's a hundred people that fit that qualification, all right? Yeshua, when he was here on earth, chose 12 yeah. from among that group that right. were following him. Now they've taken two that are there with them that day. And saying we need to, to cast lots among these two to replace <clears throat> Judas. Because right. they were with them from the time of, of John the Baptist baptizing Yeshua all the way through to Yeshua's resurrection. They're going to have to hold to, to the resurrection. Because there may be that's, pe- the, that's the requirement. Because think of those about the two. thousands of people that came along. They came along somewhere along the way. But how many were actually there from the from My the question baptism? Is, were these two examples? I believe so. Like privy to what was going on with his ministry, but yes. not, not disciples. That seems But not I, apostles. I would, right? That's what I would think. Yeah. Because there's like thousands of disciples, and it is confusing. Cause so they those use are the candidates. Word That's kind of interesting that right. those guys were hanging out or knew or were aware. Right. And so they made it very clear that from the baptism of John and a witness with us of his resurrection, that had to be a stippler. All the way through. So they had right. to have like a complete witness all, all to all the ministry. Cool. All right. Cool. All right. Um, I like that. So the two men, Joseph and Matthias, met the necessary requirements to be considered for an apost- for apostleship. The group turned the matter to the Lord, that is, the Lord Jesus, who had chosen all the other apostles, praying that he would make his choice known. How was he going to make his choice known? By them casting lots. That's what they're hoping, yeah. There are people that say that this was an, uh, not God's choice, that Matthias That's a commentary, wins this, yeah. Right? Right. And, right that's so that seat is still open, so that's why I'm taking it. So I was thinking about this, and those that say that this this was not done properly are usually in 
another camp, which is to say that the 12th apostle is Paul. That's an interesting take. Right? Because that they say Yeshua came to the road of, toward Damascus. But if you're just sent to the Gentiles, though, that's kind of a... He'd be the only... Uh, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. So he's calling himself an apostle, not of men, like Matthias, because it's almost like a dig. Yeah, he's sent out. That's what an apostle is. They're but, but sent like, out. But Paul does this, right? Paul says, because Paul in one of his letters, at the oh, very yeah. beginning... Well, it says it. Remember, remember when the guy was oh, going to go. Yeah, Do you yeah. remember when the gentleman had to go and pray for him, and he told him what Paul was going to be? Do you remember that? Uh, listen, I I got you. Well, you're talking about Ananias, right? Right. I want to say that. Is this? In, I'm trying to remember which God, which one it is that he. Ah, uh, uh, come on, which one is it? I don't remember which letter it is. Um, uh, yeah, this is what he said to Ananias. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Wow. Hang on, I he got it. He sent to the Gentiles. I think it is. It's, it's uh, okay. It's Galatians. It's Galatians. Romans, Galatians. Where's Galatians? Come on, Galatians. Ephesians, Galatians. Here it is. All right. So. Uh, the way that uh, Galatians starts, Paul uh, opens it in chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and the God uh, and, and God the Father yeah, who raised him th- from the, the dead. The apostles are sent out, yeah. So his point in, is saying that he was not appointed of men, which could be misconstrued. Not, not, not misconstrued, I'm sorry. Could be construed. Well, yeah, because they received him. As if he's him. doing a dig at Matthias. Well, they, they received him, Paul. They did, but is he the 13th apostle? And there's a 12th know. spot still open? Or does he really have the true 12th spot? I think the 12 are established with Matthias. That, that goes against our whole thing about us getting one of those spots. <laughs> I know it does, but I don't want to see Matthias. He's mad at me. I mean, he was there, right? I wasn't. Well, it's not Matthias's fault that, you know, somebody did something, you know— I'm just glad they didn't pick Joseph again because he does everything. That's the earthly father of Jesus, <laughs> gave up his tomb. Joseph's everywhere, man. True. He's in Egypt, second in command. That's true. He had to be humbled. Joseph, you're not getting it this time. So Okay, so it ends here. It says, and they gave forth their <clears throat> lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now, I want to do talk about just lots real quick because a lot of people are confused about what are lots. Lots is like flipping a coin. Right? Yeah. Just a modern example would be flipping a coin. Hey, do we want to do this or that? We have two choices. Let's flip the coin. If right. you have more than that, maybe you roll a die. Right? You have six choices. Let's roll the dice and whatever one it falls Best on. Best of six. Right? It would be uh, that Statistics, choice. Statistics, yeah. So that's, to us today, I think in our culture, sounds a lot like gambling or leaving things up to like random chance. Divination, yeah. A form of divination. Hang on. Whereas divination is the faith that there's a spirit directing the lot, right? So, so for us today, I think most people don't like gambling and they're thinking it's just random chance, okay? However, I think the disciples, when they're casting lots for Joseph or uh, Matthias, they're thinking that there's going to be a divine intervention on how the like lot the Urim and Thummim. Like the Urim and Thummim, which is divination. Yeah, a form of it. Cause there, so then that begs the question, is there good and bad divination? And I'm not going to answer that question <laughs> because I know Joseph. That's like putting a fleece out. Precisely. Oh, is that wet on this side, dry on the other side? 
He's looking for a sign, right? Yeah, a sign. And and so that's interesting. A casting of lots is like a systematic way to get a sign. And again, in our culture today, especially within Christian culture, you know, that feels just like voodoo, like casting the chicken bones and trying to read them mm-hmm. or something. You know what I mean? It sounds like weird, like like that's not not of God. But clearly, this is another example in the Bible where lots are cast, and it's supposedly of God, right? The disciples did it. All of them thought it was okay. So then that begs the question, like, when we all get together, at, let's say that the board of a church right. wants to get together and make a decision, and they're like, are we going to do this, or are we not going to do this? All right, heads, it's yes, tails, it's no. Right. And then everybody just says, all right, Lord, whatever it falls on, we're claiming that whatever this does, it's your answer. And they flip the coin. Now, I don't know of any examples of anybody actually doing that, um, but that would be a modern way to cast a lot. You know what I mean? And the question is, would it be of the Lord or not? And how do you know? Go ahead and keep the conversation going. Let me know in the comments, because I I don't know the answer to that question. I was just looking at... um in Ezekiel, I want to look up something here. Mm. So while you're looking up Ezekiel, I'm going to finish up the little bullet points Ezekiel, here. go ahead. So this is not to imply that people should cast lots to, to make their decisions today, for there's no command of the New Testament letter or of any Jesus' earthly teachings to do so. And also, Yeshua had 12 disciples, and there are 12 tribes. The number 12 means administration or divine government. I did hear last night somebody claim that the 12 apostles are from the 12 tribes of Israel. I have never heard that. I do not know of any biblical substantiation for that claim, um, but I have heard Jewish. it before. So if somebody has some information about that, other than just some you know random claim that that's true, I would be interested to hear about that. Now, you were going to read something from Ezekiel. I thought this was kind of interesting. I know it's getting a little late here, but Ezekiel 21... 21. For the king of Babylon stood at the parting of the way, at the head of the two ways, to use divination. He made his arrows bright. He consulted with images. He looked in the liver, animal parts. At his right hand was the divination for Jerusalem, to appoint captains, to open the mouth in the slaughter, to lift up the voice with shouting, to appoint battering rams against the gates, to cast a mount and to build a fort. And it shall be unto them as a false divination in their sight to them that have sworn oaths, but he will call to remembrance the iniquity that they may be taken. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because you have made your iniquity to be remembered in that your transgression are discovered so that in all your doings your sins do appear, because I say that you are come to remembrance, you shall be taken with the hand. And thou profane wicked prince of Israel, whose day is come when iniquity shall have an end, Thus saith the Lord God, remove the diadem and take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low and abase him that is high. I will overturn, overturn, overturn it, and it shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and I will give it him. Anyway, it seems like God is controlling the divination. So what does Nebuchadnezzar do? It falls in his right hand. He allows it to go Nebuchadnezzar's way. So, so you see, is that you an see, example of God using divination yeah, for his own purposes? It is. I, I for sure think I'd that... I'd have to develop it more, Even though. if the intentions of somebody are occultic or evil, God can intervene on something like a, a divination <clears throat> or a casting <clears throat> right. of lots for his own purposes. I believe that to be 100% true, because he can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's God, right? So, so, so according to Jesus, 
Um, according to Jesus' promise in Luke 22, verses 28 through 30, the apostles will judge the 12 tribes of Israel when the kingdom of God arrives. Mm. So that's why they had to fill that position. Right. There well, you and, you know, I don't want to get too far on a bunny trail on this, but this is another thing that I would love to hear some feedback from folks on, is Judas uh, it gets replaced, right? And you have these 12 apostles that are going to, you know, judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Do these, like, do these offices still exist today? Right? Because there's some people that say the office of a prophet or of a apostle no longer exists. There's no such thing as apostles today. Well, apostle is one who goes out with a message, so I don't know. Interesting. Well, right. There's there's definitely a, but but is the, is there the authority of apostleship out there? Like, are people raised up as apostles and then have, I think so. have authority? I've heard of apostles. And well, and it's the fivefold ministries of Ephesians four, right? There the, you he, go. Gives, he gives some apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and uh, what is it? Shepherds, maybe? Is it teachers? No, I, teachers. I said already. So and shepherds, maybe pastors. Evangelists. Evangelists. I said that too. So it's it's apostles and prophets, right? Teachers evangelists, shepherds, pastors. So yeah. um, that's the five-fold ministry, right, that were, that people refer to when they refer to the five-fold ministries, an apostle being right. one of the titles. Right. And, it, and these are gifts given to the church, right? So people are given the gift of apostleship from the Holy Spirit. And the question, again, today is, are there apostles? And there are denominations that adamantly say no, and there are people that adamantly say, absolutely, what are you talking about? So it's one of those things where it hinges on people being uncomfortable about someone having actual authority. I mean, he's a bishop in a biblical, biblical sense. scriptural, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. But again, I think the issue comes about the authority. What about a rook? What if it's going to be a rook or a pawn? <laughs> Listen to you. It's crazy. What, what two, two points, points did you get out of Acts 1, <laughs> 1 through 26 there, Ryan? All right, so my first point would be uh, Judas lost everything because of mammon worship, right? The love of money is the root of all evil. That's there. You can see that a little bit. You and I, before we started recording, discovered that in John chapter 12 and verse 6, it says uh, that this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. So uh, Judas in John 12, 6 is called a thief and that we knew he had the money, the purse, and that he used to steal from it. So that's a little uh, window into Judas' um, heart that we're getting there. And it was because of this greed, because of this worship of mammon, that he lost everything ultimately. Right? That was the root. Um, point number two is, you know, I had kids in my group last night, and your daughter, Briella, took something, because we were talking about ruach, you know, that it means breath or wind. The Holy Spirit is given at Acts, right? And there's like, you know, in the next chapter, we're going to hear about a rushing wind, Ooh, a rushing wind. And she took that and she she made her own little point. And I just wanted to give her point. And her point was, and I'm paraphrasing, that ruach means wind, right? And just like you can't see the wind and you don't know where it comes from and where it goes, God can work in your life and you can see the effects of it just like wind. And I was like, man, that was good. Uh, this is why we live in Florida for hurricanes. Amen. Yeah, boy, the wind the other night was nuts. On Sunday, right? Oh yeah. The answer, my friend. So what about you? Is blowing in the wind. You know, I came up with two things, which is kind of a little different. That's good because um, it's we're supposed to come. Yeah, up with this two is things. really uh, based upon a consensus of me, myself, and I. Sure. Number one, 
God is slowly but surely restoring the kingdom back to Israel. Mm, yes, he is. I mean, if you look at all the facts, Israel will never be taken out of the land again. The Jerusalem's capital, right there, capital's Jerusalem. So God is slowly but surely restoring the kingdom back to Israel. I love that, especially as being grafted in the wild mm. branches. That means something's going down. Yeshua is the root. He's our sustenance. Number two, when you celebrate the feasts, you need to be at the right place at the right time, and you will get a blessing. The right place at the right time. You'll get a blessing. In one accord, right? They're in one accord. And, of yeah. course, what do they do? They establish to, to fill a position. Mm. And now they're going to be blessed. And that, that's what I have. Praise God. All right. Why don't you pray us out? All right. Father, we just thank you for the book of Acts. We thank you for the continuation of this great story of furthering your kingdom. And, and the church, Father, the church body, uh, many members, but one body. And Yeshua, you're the head. We thank you for just uh, dunamis power, exousia power in this place, Father. We thank you for just signs, wonders, and miracles. And we just believe for miracles, Father. We just pray for you, for you to comfort Vince and Tracy Bardot right now. And yes, Vince, Lord. as he's going through a, 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 a trial, Father, an affliction, but you deliver them out of them all. Comfort them right now, Father. Just be with them as we, you're a miracle-working God. And so... We just thank you for what you're doing. We are excited that that we are in tune with what you're doing, Father, and we're going to be obedient. You've given us the book of Leviticus to be the priests, and now we must implement it in the book of Numbers, And but we, we, we win. We win the story, Father. We win in the end, and so we want to thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for all those that are watching and listening, and we ask this in the name of Yeshua of Nazareth, our soon-coming king. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. That's it. Episode one of season six is in the books. Thank you guys for spending time with us today. What a blessing it is uh, to study the Word of God and to receive His Spirit upon us through His Word. Uh, if you guys have anything you want to say, please leave it in the comments, or you can email me at ryan at Bless you, and have a great week.